welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. So this week when I was working on my sermon, I know you might think, gee Lee, leaving it to the last week. Um, I actually usually have them advance when I preach. This year, that is. This year, God has been so kind to me this year. And um, this week was the first week I went, I have no idea what I'm preaching on. None whatsoever. And I was a bit scared because I'm an organised person. Don't like leave things to the last minute. I don't know what I was doing. I sat down Tuesday morning and immediately it was clear as crystal, here's what I want you to preach on. Like, God, you were so kind. So kind because he knew what my week looked like. He knew what was happening all week. He knew parenting. He knew early starts. He knew it all. And he's just kind in everything he does. So I sat down and I got to research and study and and dive in the word, which I absolutely love. And it was clear as crystal, I'm speaking on today. And hang on, before I announce it, I know, ooh, the suspense. Um, I want you to actually be conscious as I'm sharing. Um, Our theme this year is sent ones, okay? So I'm not going to be super obvious as I start my sermon. This is about sent ones, but it's going to be super obvious. Um, And the... I'm going to say three things. The second thing I'm going to say is this sermon might take two weeks due to time. I'm respectful of time. And so, again, if you're online, it might be a two-week sermon, just letting you know. So part B might be next Sunday, and then I'm not preaching for like three weeks. So, you know, come hear the Grace Preacher ever today, next week. Um, Then um, the third thing I want to say is, well, the reason I think it's a two-part sermon is because I'm a three-point preacher. For those that know me long enough, like I've got my three points, I've got a very simple, easy to understand flow, lots of stories because I love story sermon. I've got nine points. So the chances are, it might be three weeks. Um, And the third point was, I forgot it. It'll come to me at the right time. So God, you are so kind and so good and so faithful and we love you. All right, so here we are. I'm talking about the passage in the Bible of fishers of men. The calling of the first disciples, the fishers of men, that you will be fishers of men. Um, so already some of you might be thinking, oh, I've heard this a thousand times, oh, I've read it countless times. Yes, I know, I know you have. And every time you read the Bible, you've got to remember God is alive and active and it comes alive every time you read it. You, know, you never outgrow the Bible. You never say, I've read a chapter 50 times and go, so I'm done and dusted that chapter, move on. No. God can still reveal things to you time and time and time and time and time again. So in three of the Gospels, the word fishes of men are used. So I'm not talking about John because he didn't use those words. So his account of the calling, the, the, you know, getting the, the brothers uses different language. So I'm not going to talk about John. So I'm just going to focus on Matthew, Mark and Luke. And in it, before I start, I'm going to read all three accounts. But before I start, um, again, I just want to foundation here. Just because they might say different things doesn't mean one of them's lying. They're not lying. They say different things because they've seen it from different angles and different perspectives. Just like going to the MCG. Someone might sit behind the goalposts. Someone might sit up the back in the grandstands. They're all seeing the same thing, but they're seeing it from a different account. So three people, 
Three different accounts, none of them are lying. They're all sharing from their perspective and sharing what they feel is important. So one of them mentions something, the other one doesn't. It doesn't mean it didn't happen. It just means he thought it was important or he saw it, the other one didn't. All good, okay? Bible doesn't lie. And if you want to go on that tangent another day, we can go on that tangent another day. Here we go. Matthew 4, 18 to 22. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, I've just wasted seven minutes already. Three weeks, three weeks. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon and Peter, sorry, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them, immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. There's two points out of Matthew's account that I want to focus on here. The first one is casting a net. So Simon called Peter, I'm just going to call him, no Peter, I'm going to call him Peter for my own brain. Peter and Andrew, they casted a net. Now back in those days, how they fished was they had the net, there were little weights on the bottom of the net, so you threw it in so the, the, the net sunk. Does that make sense? Yeah, so that's what they, so they casted the net. So out it flew, into the sea, sunk, done and dusted. Like waiting, now got to haul it in. They cast the net out and then they followed Jesus. They left the net in the sea and followed Jesus. Halfway through the job, they followed Jesus. Are you getting this for a second? My life, and I know I'm a, a one extreme of a personality, my life would never let me do that. I like to finish the job at hand. If I've started a job, you finish the job, then you move on. Isn't that what you all do? Hmm, if you don't. <laughs> like, they started a job. They threw it out. They started a job. Jesus said, follow me, and they walked away from the job. Everything in me doesn't cope with this concept because I want to finish. Just bring the net in. It'll take two seconds. Just bring it in. I don't know if your kids are like this. I'll say, Jude, can we, Mama, I just got to finish. Just got to finish. Just got to finish, Mum. Just let me finish. How many times do we say that to God? Just let me finish. I just got to finish this. I'll do it, but just let me finish. And Jude, in his kindness, when we say it, mum, 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 I'm just finishing. He can't not finish. So I give him grace in those moments of time. As soon as he finished, though, because he loves running, he runs straight for the very thing I've asked him to do. Like, he's like, yes, done, move straight onto it. I feel like I'm that with God a lot of the time. God, I'll just finish, but I, I, I'm going to do it. Let me just finish this task. Let me just finish this list. In the two weeks of before this week of working on this message, I went to the shops. Um, I go to the shops several times a week. I actually like going to Safeway. Um, and uh, two times, I'm just being honest, and it's quite sad to say, um, 
Two times God asked me to pray for someone and I didn't. Someone different both times, but two times. Because I just wanted to finish my job. I just wanted to finish the list. I didn't say no because I don't want to pray for people. I just said, yeah, 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 let me just finish this. Fully aware that I did that. And as I'm sitting reading this, sorry, God. They cast the net and let it be. Halfway through the job, they moved on and followed Jesus. Wow. What a wake-up call that was for me this week to go, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry. The amount of times, oh, he's so kind. I went to Frankston and there was a homeless lady there begging for money. And I walked past her because I had to get Bella new shoes. And I went, I've just got to get the shoes. And I walked past her. And I, I know I shared this story when it happened. I got Bella shoes and she was still there when I came back. So I gave her $50 and I just spent some time praying with her and ministering with her. Oh, you gave me money. Yeah, that's what she needed. She needed money. Yeah, she might have spent on things that maybe is her choice. It's not my, I'm not, I'm not the police of how people make decisions. Like, I know some people might go, oh, why don't you just give her food? I, I understand that and I know the heart behind that and I love that. But I'm not her, I'm not her parent. I'm not in charge of her and her choices. And that's what I felt to do. And God was kind in, I was able to go back and do that. But sadly, the two weeks, the two cases that I didn't do, they were gone by the time I finished my task. So I couldn't go back and loop back around and do it. So let's throw the net and leave it there, if that's what's required. The second thing about Matthew is Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. I will. I'm just going to read the the passage translation of that verse number 19 is, and I will transform you into men who catch people for God. I will. It's Jesus saying, I will. For those that know me quite well, know I've got an exceptionally, maybe bit skewed view of my self-worth. Like I know my self-worth. Like if you speak bad about me, I'll probably complain to Justin, maybe a friend or two, not because I believe it, but because how can they say that? Seriously, do they know me? I'm awesome. <laughs> like self-worth, I, I don't lack. Okay, I've got some areas. Like Justin's house church going, oh, it's awesome. I'm preaching the best I've ever preached. I'm smashing it. You might be sitting there going, eh, you're all right. <laughs> That's okay. I think I'm smashing it. <laughs> Some of you are probably sitting here thinking, oh, when's Justin work? <laughs> I agree. <laughs> We're so different. And sometimes when he speaks, he's going to relate to you. And sometimes when I speak, when he's back, some of you go, oh, I wish Lee was back. <laughs> nah. <laughs> but you've got to know who you are. I know I'm a daughter of the king. No if, buts, maybes. I know who I am. I know the promises. Do I walk them out? No. I know them. 
I know they're for me. I'm on a journey still, but I've got this huge self-worth, self-confidence. And I know in Australia, that's like really frowned upon. If I was in America, everyone would be cheering me on. In Australia, it's like, how can you say that about yourself? What is wrong with us? You're amazing. Do you know who you are? Seriously. All right, I won't. Do you know who you are though? And here Jesus is saying, Lee, you're amazing, but I'm sending you. Because even though you're amazing, you're not perfect and you need me. I'm sending you, which means when your self-worth and self-confidence and all the things that you stand on are shaky, when you're nervous, when you back away, when you think you've got nothing to say, you remember, I'm sending you. I'm doing the work. I'm, op- I'm opening the doors. I'm creating the opportunities. I'll give you the words. I'm sending you. Here's what I'm saying. If you doubt yourself, just come spend some time with me and I'll speak into your life. Speak some truth, some scripture over you. But it takes the pressure off when it's not me, but it's him. It's not me. He's doing the work. I just get to say yes and I get to drop the net and follow him. Not wheel the net in and then do it. He's sending me. He's sending you. Let's go to Mark. Mark 1, 16 to 20. As Jesus walked beside... So this is the same, same account, slightly different. As I said, MCG, different perspective, different angles, different things they thought important to add. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The key difference I want to highlight in Mark is the hired men. Matthew didn't mention the hired men, Mark did. I don't know why, but that's, the, that's, that's a key difference for me. My first point from Mark is John and James left a successful family business mid-shift to follow Jesus. Now, culturally, I couldn't understand what that's like. We don't have a family business. My parents, parents, there's no family business anywhere to be seen in my family. So culturally, I can't understand what that's like. And as I was thinking about this, I thought of my favourite restaurant, which is no longer open because it got burnt down. Really devastating. Silly Patterson Lakes has no restaurants anymore. Sorry, I'm being very... Lee shattered she can't get food out. These people have lost their livelihood perspectively. So, not open anymore. We'd go all the time, knew them all, family business, best Italian food you'll ever eat, still friends with them. 
It's owned by a father and one of the sons. Everyone in the family works there. The other son, the daughter, the wife, the aunts, the uncles, the whole family's there, as well as they hire staff to waiter, waitress, yada, yada, yada. And I was picturing this. The whole family's there. They all work. They all have their role. They're all part. One's a head chef. One does the bookkeeping and the drinks. One does the, you know, hosting, whatever. They all have their roles. Imagine two of the sons, mid-shift, walking out. What Luke tells us is they fished all night and they caught zip. It's not only walking out mid-shift, walking out of a shift that was hard, that was disappointing, the morale level was probably quite low. It wasn't like, yeah, what a great night fishing. It was a bit bummed. No fish. They're doing their thing, coming into the shift, and the two sons walk on out. The ramifications of a family, I can imagine. Like, I'm just thinking about my Italian family friends. Two of them walking out, like, this is their family. You're walking out on family. It's not like you've been gearing up, hey, mum and dad, I'm thinking of going on a different career path. I'm thinking of, you know, changing. Out of nowhere... See you later. Successful family business that these boys have known their entire lives. They were grown up in it, lived it every day, talked about it, family business. One day they're probably taking over the family business. And they walk on out of that. Hired, hired men, successful family business, responsibilities. The second thing I want to tie in with that, they left their identity as fishermen in the family business, all they've ever known, for an identity of a follower of Jesus. We're not talking about a small change here. This is massive. Everything they've ever known is fishermen. I'm going to be a fisherman. This, my father was a fisherman. My grandfather was like, I can just see it, fisherman. And they left that, their whole identity, their whole self-worth, their whole everything to be a follower of Jesus. Wow. Where do we fit in there? Would you have done that? Would you have walked out everything you've ever known? And God, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. James and John did. I want to challenge us in the need that I think we all should do that. In Luke, I'll explain a bit more. It'll look different because, A, we're not fishermen. But we're all called <laughs> to fish for men, not fish. Let's jump into Luke. I'm going to read the other two I read from New Living. This one I'm going to read from Amplified. Luke 5, 1 to 11. Luke's my guy. He likes using words. Here we go. I'm not going to finish this message. I'm going to speak for seven minutes 
I'm going to do one point and we'll finish next week if that's all right. Luke 5, 1 to 11. Now it happened that while Jesus was standing by the lake of, don't like Luke, don't like Amp, Sea of Galilee, with the people crowding all around him and listening to the word of God, that he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out and were washing their nets. He got into the boat, um, which was Simon's, and asked to put it out a little difference from the shore. He sat down and began teaching um, the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, put out into the deep water and lower the nets for a catch of fish. Simon replied, Master, we have worked hard all night to the point of exhaustion and caught nothing in our nets. But at your word, I will do as you say and lower the nets again. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets were at the point of breaking. So they signalled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. When they came and filled both boats with fish so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all his companions were completely astounded at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so was James and John, son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon Peter. Jesus said to Simon, have no fear, for now you will be catching men. After they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him, becoming his disciples, believing and trusting in him and following his example. Wow. The first point's from one to three. Oh, sorry. Now it had happened that while Jesus was standing by the lake of Sea of Galilee, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw two boats laying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten um, out of them and were washing their nets. He got into the boat, which um, was Simon's, and asked to be put out a little different distance from the shore, and he sat down and began teaching the crowds from the boat. First point's attitude. Like, you've got to put in perspective, Simon Peter had fished all night and caught nothing. I don't know about you, but if I'm tired, I'm not my best self. If I'm exhausted, if I'm frustrated, like I'm not my best self. And I have to work at being kind, choosing my words. And here's Simon Peter, exhausted, disappointed, not happy trying to pack up from his fish, Jesus like, hey, can I use your boat? If I was Peter, I would have said something probably along the lines of, Jesus, it's the end of my long night. You've brought multitudes of people to my quiet beach where all I want to do is pack up and go home and go to bed. But now this beach is packed of people to the point where you have to hop in my boat so that they can fit on the beach so you can speak to them. Seriously? No, thank you. Like everything in that situation goes against us humans and being comfortable and selfish and doing what I want to do. And here's Simon Peter, yes, he does it. In his inconvenience, in his tired, discouraged state, says yes. We have a thing in my family called a stinky attitude. And I know I've shared it with you before. A stinky attitude. It goes like this. 
Oh, what stinks in this room? Seriously, I've got to leave the room. It reeks so bad. What happened? What happened? Justin, do you smell that? How bad is that smell? In which case, whichever child it is, will put a smile on their face. Sorry, Mum, I'll have a better attitude. I know it's simple and silly and... But it works. Because we're reminding ourselves of your attitude shifts the atmosphere around you. And let's be honest, who wants to hang around someone with a stinky bad attitude? No one. You want to run the other way. Someone who's negative, someone who's grumpy, someone who's got a bad attitude, you don't want to be friends with them. Maybe you have to be because maybe they're family. <laughs> Not my family, just... Yeah, I better watch what I say. <laughs> but you don't want to. It stinks. You don't want to be in the same car or room as someone like that. And here the disciples had a beautiful opportunity to show no stinky attitudes. That everything in them essentially could have had permission to go, no. Everything. When I woke up at 5.30am the other day, everything in me wanted to just pull the covers over my head and just say, fend for yourselves to the four and six-year-old. Do what you want. Leave me alone. I'm tired, God. I don't want to do it. I don't want to pray for that person. I don't want to encourage that person. If people just knew what my week looked like. Yeah. Do you reckon that's a good attitude? God, I'm tired. Sunday's my day off. Can't be bothered going to church. Hey, I agree with you sometimes. Did God say something about gathering together? Hmm. Yeah. God, I'm too tired. It's winter, it's raining. I don't want to go to my small group. One week, doesn't matter. Hmm. Inconvenience sometimes. But as you read the story, what was extremely inconvenient for Simon Peter became the greatest moment of his life. The greatest moment of his life. Hey, Mitchie, can you jump up on keys? How about this one? I know none of you would do this. Hey, Bella, can you clean your room? <laughs> hey, Bella, let's do your homework. No, it's boring. I oh, know you wouldn't do that. It's just the six-year-old. But if we bring it back to our life, like, Lee, can you do your homework? Lee, can you clean your room? That doesn't translate. Mummy has to clean the room. I just do it, have to do it. Sometimes with a stinky attitude, sometimes not. What's inconvenient can bring about the greatest 
blessing. Bella, I'm going to end with this thought. Bella, so she's my daughter. She's all me. Not in the looks. If you tell her she's awesome, she just goes, yeah, I know. Because <laughs> she is. So my skill set in school was mathematics, maths. I was really good at maths, like really good at maths. Not one of the best in school, really good maths. My English though was atrocious, probably one of the worst. So like when I have to read slabs of the Bible, I actually don't like doing it out loud because I got made fun of reading out loud in class. So this is a big deal for me. But you spoke about how good your self-worth is. Yeah, I know I'm awesome. I know I can't read. Like, it's a non-strength. No, it's a weakness. And so for Bella, she's really naturally good at maths. And a bit on the weaker side for English. So me parenting her means... I'm super intentional. We do the maths homework. She does nothing on top of that because it's easy and she gets it. But her English, we read morning and night every day. She's only required to read twice a week. So we read 10 times a week. And she'll complain sometimes, Mom, it's boring, it's boring, I hate it. And so we're mixing it up. We're doing different books and we're changing it constantly so it's fun and not a chore. She got her English marks this week with the class average being 74 and she got 96. All that to say is what is inconvenient has brought about huge results. What is inconvenient sometimes for our life can see the biggest breakthrough, the biggest freedom, the biggest release in our lives. So we're going to go home and read again today because she's going to be amazing at it. And she's not going to be teased in class because she can't read out loud. Because she's awesome and she can do it. She is doing it. You're awesome. You can pray for people. You can step out. You can witness. You can see miracles. You can bear fruit. Step past the inconvenience, the stinky attitudes. And know I will, Jesus will, He's doing it for you. He's doing it for you. Let's all stand. Jesus, I thank you so much for your kindness, for your love for your foundation and for your Word. My goodness, I thank you so much for the Bible that is full of such truth, that is powerful and relevant in everyday life. It's not complicated to understand, but it's simple and true. So I thank you, God, for what you're doing in our lives. And I pray, God, that over the next week, when it seems inconvenient, 
when it seems we don't have the skills or the gifts or the abilities that we're going to remember you're sending us and it's going to be incredible. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Church, I'm going to ask the prayer team to come out. If you need prayer, friends.